about to start so pop those headphones in and let Sophia style radio to keep you company. Love Thy Body Project, home of female empowerment. you'd like to get in touch or find out how you can work with us then just head on over to lovethybodyproject.com original female artists only on sophia style radio
Welcome to Love Thy Body Project, the show where no topic is off limits. We're here to encourage, empower and support. Today you've got myself, Laura Bland and the lovely Serena Novelli and together we are two thirds of Love Thy Body Project. We are joined by our guests, Claire and Mark Sandiford from the original Woodshop. So Claire, can you tell us a little bit about yourselves, what it is that you're doing with the original Woodshop and why you got started? Yeah, so I'm Claire. Um, I'm a mum. I've got a 17-year-old, no, nearly 17-year-old, and that in itself freaks me out, daughter. She's got high-functioning autism, so she's just doing wonderful in the world, but she needs a lot and lot of support. She does suffer with, you know, mental health issues because of her insecurities. I'm married to Mark. Hello. Hello, hello. Mark had a really bad breakdown a few years ago and that sort of meant I took on the role in the house of trying to keep everything going and so I feel like I've been through this amazing journey of not coping to coping to seeing what's important in life and and how you can't get away from some of these things and stressors but it's how you cope with that be original woodshop you jump in anytime um came about because Mark, when he had his breakdown, the doctor said that he had to come up with something that was just a, a hobby, something that was away from all the stresses of of work and life. And yeah. just sort of following on from that, prior to that, I'd sort of been using woodwork as a coping mechanism anyway in life. I was always throughout my life tinkering with it. I enjoyed it at school when I was younger. It was a, it was just something I loved making things. It was just something like that. And I just forgot totally about it because uh, previously um, I was in working for the, I was a civil servant mm-hmm. and uh, I worked for the Department of Work and Pensions and highly, highly stressful job. And I just burnt out. And then I think it all came to a head really when I lost my gram. And what I was trying to do was work a 40 hour week. And then I was also trying to get, my my gran and my mum live in the wonderful Welsh island, Anglesey, and, or should I say she did live there, and so I was, she wouldn't eat, and they couldn't get her to eat, so she she was Irish, so she, the very um, maternal, um, and she would only listen to me, so I was having to drive a lot to and from Anglesey, yeah, it's only a three-hour journey, but that on top of the workload being, uh, uh, you know, the stresses of the job, everything else. And then I, so I lost my, my gran eventually. And so that just added to it, along with one of my closest friends died. And mm-hmm. that was like the, the, the straw that broke the camel's back. And I just got suicidal. It's got to be and a it lot was of a pressure. Time. Yeah, it, I mean, it was. I guess in, um, in, in very different ways, Serena and I have both gone through periods where we've had to to pick up that mantle in in terms of what you've both been talking about so Claire from the point of view of needing to kind of take on everything within the household and be that you know be the rock be the person that's always saying it's going to be okay and we're going to get through it and physically doing all of the practical things as well so we've we've both been there but equally we've been the support person the carer the one that's trying to help and assist yeah. some of those elements mark that you're talking about in terms yeah. of yeah you know with your gran and trying to to look after her health and well-being the things that we've been through are completely different in terms of the actual situation but actually those 
feelings and those responsibilities and those emotions yeah. I think we've kind of we've dealt with that as well haven't we in, in different yeah, ways absolutely yeah, yeah I think I was just listening to you talking about your 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 nan and um I, I it was bringing back memories of when my mum my mum was um dying and when I was taking care of my mum and how you have this pressure because you, you feel that you need to take care of them and look after them and you have that responsibility but you're still trying to you're still trying to juggle a full-time job and everything else within the family and it can get really it can get really hard as a society we're really good at putting on a brave face and just like say no it's okay it's fine it's okay and we don't talk about it and we we, we, we cover it up with other things and that's when when that happens when you that burnout comes um and I've definitely suffered from it even now we are going through we're, we're doing the role where we're kind of in charge of everything trying to look after everything still it can be it can be a really big struggle um so it's really good that you you know it's really nice to hear you coming on here and it's really refreshing to to have you share in your journey so that you can support others as well because I think that's a really big step to take I think part of the journey as well is because it's an unknown territory so there's all sorts of things and emotions that come into it I mean from my part the guilt because Claire and I have got a good loving marriage I hope we've always managed to do things together as in you know even decisions major decisions we've always sort of come together on it so then to basically to disappear into an abyss because that's where I was it was just obviously frightening. I didn't want to be alive. I just wanted it to end. But then you feel guilty because you're thinking all those things. You're thinking about how you can do those things. But then you've got no power over your, your, yourself. So you, 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 that it's like you've lost control of everything. I think as a species, we like a certain amount of control in our life. I was brought up very old-fashioned. Um, my granddad were fought in Burma. My, he was very strict with my the, the upbringing I had it was the man's role to do this the man's role to do that now we don't live in that it's an archaic way of living we don't live like that now thankfully but when you've had that drummed into you for years and years of your life unconsciously you feel that you are the one the main breadwinner even though you're not you feel like you're responsible for keeping Claire and your daughter safe that in itself when you're down a rabbit hole you just can't do it and it's just I, I would say frustrating I've never experienced anything like this and it's the control aspect even now seeing the journey that I've come to because there is a light at the end of the tunnel mm. don't get me wrong in this story it was a hard hard thing to basically instead of drowning trying to get to the point of treading water letting it alone anything else there's a line, we went to see the film um, Joker, and there's a line in that film that we both just totally resonated with you. Um, was it the worst thing about having a mental illness is people expecting you to not or something yeah. something like that? And, and that's the thing. It's, I mean, even for me, and I have suffered with suicidal thoughts and depression, eating disorders when I was younger. I couldn't comprehend Mark's feelings. I tried and, and I'd be like, oh, well, we'll try this, we'll try this. He would get really frustrated because it's like, well, that's not me. Yeah. So even when you've been through something, especially with mental illness, it's so personal. It's, it's so your feelings. And they do not make, they do not make sense to somebody else. Yeah, and I think you're spot on with that in that, so I, my partner suffers with anxiety, depression, PTSD, amongst other things, um, and I find it 
difficult to understand when he's in that state of anxiety, which for him manifests quite physically as well as, you know, the, the, the mental side of it. I find it frustrating because although I've been here with him for years and seen many, many episodes and I've seen him, you know, in hospital over it because he's adamant that he's having a heart attack or that he's going to die or that there's something really severe wrong, you know, he's got a blood clot in the brain, whatever the situation is at the time. It doesn't matter how many times you go through those kinds of episodes and you're there supporting and caring, you can't fully understand it because you're not inside their mind. And I tend to find it quite frustrating and that's hard to deal with from my side because I know I shouldn't be frustrated and I know it's not fair of me to put that feeling onto my partner because he doesn't want to feel that way he doesn't want to behave that way and he physically cannot control it in the moment but it can be really hard work being the person that's trying to do the support and trying to give the care and trying to find a way you know can we snap out of this particular episode somehow and it's not like and like I say different people respond to different things and that's it you know when when you're on the outside even when you're on the inside of the situation but you're on the outside of it because it's not you it's so hard to to really understand what's going on and then you almost feel a level of guilt for your own feelings and how you wish that things weren't that way or you get frustrated because why can't they just get on or why can't they just see it's okay or why can't they just get through the next hour before they have the breakdown do you know what I mean and it's not it's not easy it's not straightforward at all and that's the thing you you're on you're on tender hooks because you're not actually quite sure at the time you know how they'll react and I know for me, then I'd feel really guilty that I'd be really angry at him. Really, really angry. It's like, this is not what I signed up for. (laughs) I could give myself a talking to and like, know that it's not his fault. It's a mental illness. Um, But but I did struggle when he'd go, look, I have a mental illness. And it was like, you and everybody else. And and then I'd feel really guilty (laughs) that I wasn't sporting it. But then everywhere I went... Nobody ever asked about me. They go, how's Mark? How's Mark? How's Mark? And it's like, it's rubbish. (laughs) But so am I. So you're sort of fighting yourself, I think, as well, aren't you? You're just... And that, and and from, you know, from from my side on that, the the thing I found in the first year, because obviously it hasn't gone away. Mm -hmm. It's about managing good days. Good days, bad moments. Bad moments. And it was trying to get to that point. But initially... I felt like I was screaming inside because I couldn't control what was going on with me. But then I felt like with Claire's reaction in regards to the frustration, which she was quite rightly to have, felt like she wasn't, she wasn't, I didn't have a voice. It was almost as if I'd have to scream out or raise my voice or something, please. But inside I'm thinking, will you just please listen to me? All I want you to do is listen to me. Mm -hmm. It sort of really impacted on the way we communicated with each other, I think, at the, at the beginning. Yeah. And then it was just trying to find that. And it took a good 12 months to come Absolutely, out Absolutely, yeah. I think that's why, though, you finding something to channel your frustration into and your feelings also gave me a bit of a break. Because yeah. he'd go into the garage and be doing yeah. some work. And, and it's, I know it sounds silly, but it's, when somebody's suffering to that degree, 
even if there's nothing happening at that time, you can feel it in the house. Mm-hmm. There's like this aura and I'd want to sort of escape from it, but then knew that it needed me around. So yeah, you having the garage to go to, to do some work felt like respite for me. It's like, right, I might have a couple of hours here that I can just not worry about it or. Yeah. Yeah. And I, what I did eventually was I just swapped one cave for another. <laughs> Sorry, I did be creative and do something. And even if it was only just tidying something in the garage, even if it was because at the beginning you couldn't think further than, you feel like you're incapacitated mentally. You can't think too far ahead. That's what I went through. I'm not saying everybody does that, but so it was like little wins. It was just trying to find that little win and accepting it and accepting something like mental illness. Is, is, I'm not going to say it's the easiest thing. It's not. It's the hardest thing in the world because you've got to wake up to it as well, in a way, I suppose. I think that's it. And I think although it's more of a, an open topic now, than I think than it ever has been before. I think it's interesting, Mark, with some of the things that you were saying before in terms of, you know, your upbringing and kind of the expectation of a man's role within the house and a woman's role. And although, you know, society is changing, how we are brought up, the kind of the thoughts that are embedded within us and on all those kinds of things, it takes an awful lot to be able to, to kind of break that and to admit that actually things aren't, the way you know we expected or hoped they might be and that there is struggle going on and even though it's a, you know it's a more open conversation than it was 10 years ago 15 years ago I think men in particular still struggle with being able to reach out for help initially and start that conversation because we have got this thought process still yes it might be changing but it is there is still that that kind of patient that men take care of women it might not be the truth but it is yeah. still this thing, you know, I mean, and I mean, let's, I'm going to be like really kind of stereotypical, but if you think about the books and the fairy tales and the stories, you know, the older ones that we read to our kids still, and the more traditional Disney films and everything, it's all about the damsel in distress, the prince that comes in and rescues, and then she's all happy and wonderful. And life doesn't work that way, no. but it's taking a long time for those those kinds of thought processes to actually catch up with reality and even though that's not the world that we live in it is still that kind of perception of well I can't admit that I'm struggling or I can't ask for help or that shouldn't be my reality because actually I'm the man and I should be providing or I should be able to cope or I should be strong I think it's really great to have these conversations because everyone that hears about it is able to be that just that little bit more aware and perhaps they can provide that little bit more support that they didn't realize that they've already been giving but actually it just brings a little bit more context to it when actually you know you can hear from real tangible people and what they've gone through so I think it's really important to just keep the talking going. I think that's it as well because it's not just other people talking about it You have to have had a mental illness to understand a mental illness. If you've never had depression, you're not going to get it. But equally, it's that sort of people can be supported. But I know that you'd see and people would get this look in their eyes as in, ah. And actually what you need at that time is not people to be looking at you as if you're something to be. Feel sorry for. Or or you're a helpless little fledgling. That's it. 
it's something we all need to talk about because mental illness and stress, it builds up slowly because one minute you think you're coping and the next minute you're really not. And we can't get away from the stresses that and the things we're dealing with, the things you were dealing with before you had your breakdown. Nobody could wave a magic wand and say, you're not going to go through them. Because we do live in a society that's like, no, come on, big girl pants on, let's just get on with this. Let's, yeah, we're fine. That actually sometimes asking for help or, or just saying, I can't do this. It's just something that seems alien to us. I think as well, you go through, and I saw it a lot in and how Claire reacted to uh, my um, depression. She, she, she went through like a grieving process. It felt like she'd lost part of herself because when you're in a good relationship, you, you are like one. You, you joined at the hip to then lose that connection between the two of you it, as a couple. It was, it was hard for Claire and I could see it, which then adds to the guilt. And I think what I found with an outlet, which was the woodwork, I was able to express my inner feelings in a way by not ignoring them, but I could concentrate on something that didn't need me wasn't it it wasn't demanding of me in any shape or form I was the one that was building something from it so in a sense I was rebuilding myself if that makes sense and I found that that slowly but surely gave me back some of my self-worth If you'd like to get in touch or find out how you can work with us, then just head on over to lovethybodyproject.com. Original female artists only on Sophia Style Radio.
I think we learned such a valuable lesson that mental health and the family is worth far but more than anything money materially put, can buy. You can't put a price on um, But fortunately, the one good thing about being a civil servant, and because of my age, um, I'm 53 this week, I was able to take um, an early retirement package. So um, that has helped me support me a little bit because everybody's different how they go through this. I went through a period with friends and family who desperately wanted to help me but they had their own preconceived ideas about what mental health is and what you're going through. And as Claire said earlier, everybody is different. You can't yeah. give advice other than the, it, you can get advice. You, there is help out there. I mean, I, I, I turn to people like Mind. They were brilliant. I also, you doctor, I turn to, to him. It, but you've got to want that. I think that's it, isn't it? It is about though. It's always about next steps, isn't it? Once you've been able to admit that there's a problem or or an issue, it admitting something isn't enough. It's then being willing to take the next step on the journey, um, and just kind of going back to what you were talking about in terms of, you know, losing control of things and having stuff taken out of your hands. And I think that's probably something that Serena can relate to quite a bit with what what Adj went through in terms of his illness, which we're not talking mental health related, but I think you guys have probably gone through similar. I'm definitely like my, my husband was diagnosed with a terminal um, cancer um, just under two years ago now. And we were told that he'd only have around like six months to live. So we made the decision. We took our children out of school so that they could spend time with their dad and we could make memories and things like that. Yeah. We, you know, the financially I had to give up. We worked together. I had to give up a, a a job that I loved um, and make you know changes in our lives um, to be able to spend that time together as a family and and to enjoy the moments that we could enjoy. Luckily, um, the treatment that he's been put on has extended his life expectancy span and he's doing really well, which is really great. Um, and it wouldn't have brought us here to this interview today if that hadn't happened. So good things have come from a not so good situation. Um, but listening to you as well, I've I. I declare I found myself uh, there's been a few times where I've I found myself being really cross and angry at him for the situation which he has no control over whatsoever and then you get that guilt as the partner as well and I'm sure Laura has had the same feelings with her partner because his uh, mental health issues are around a situation that he couldn't control either do you know I think it's a testament to us as couples as, as a family because if we didn't have those strong bonds as a family that we wouldn't be like chatting now that the you know the help and support that we're giving our partners and our partners you know are even though they're going through through all of this stuff they're still trying their their hardest to give us that support because they can see that that we don't necessarily get that from other people because like you said the first per, you know you go places and the first first thing I get is how's that um, which is obviously my husband and and the whole conversations around him there's it, you kind of get forgotten don't you which is part of the parcel being being married and and having a partner and um looking after them but yeah I get that I, I really do get that and it is a hard struggle and it's a struggle for both you kind of fighting the same battle but on different levels for me I found love thy body project has been an amazing out there because I've been able to meet 
other women. I've been able to chat about things that I love to chat about. So for you, how did you find ways of coping um, for yourself? Have you got things that you do particularly for yourself? I think at times it took a long time through it that I didn't, but I did know that I needed to find something about me. And I remember one day sort of thinking, I've no idea who I am anymore. I've become a carer and I don't actually know what I want and who I am, what my goals are. (laughs) It needed to be purely about me that nobody else was involved with. Um, And I think that's probably why my biggest thing when I talk to ladies now, it's not that I'm trying to sell products at all. It's actually just, do you know what? If you, you deserve to be looked after, even however busy we are, I come across a lot of mums that are carers and their life is really, really hectic. There is no way around it. But it's like we all deserve, even if it's just five minutes to do some breathing exercises or a hand massage or a little facial on an eye, we need that and we deserve that. That feels nice. It feels like you're worth making an effort for. I think that's really important, though, isn't it? Having having a bit of your own space or having your own hobby or having that five or 10 minutes a day we all need it even if we've you know if there's nothing happening in the house in terms of there are no health worries there are no mental health concerns you know the kids are fit well healthy happy and we're all you know we're all doing fine we still deserve that five or ten minutes to ourselves to do whatever it is that puts that smile on our face whether that's reading a book, taking a bath, doing some crafting, you know, whatever it might be, everyone deserves something for themselves and to have that space to just be able to enjoy that without fear or guilt or anything else. Yeah, one of my my friends, she calls it a non-negotiable. So you turn up for work and you do your job because it's non-negotiable. That's just what you have to do to, 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 to survive and pay your bills. So she does, she exercises. It's a non-negotiable to her. And and, I'm, and so when you think it like that, a bit of self-care, a bit of something for you is a non-negotiable, you find time to, to put it in your day, don't you? You make sure yeah. that it's there. And I think that's where people slip with their self-care because they don't think of themselves first. They start to think of other people um, and how how important other people are or their needs are and they forget about themselves but when you can fit that five minutes in and say right this is my non-negotiable time at this time it's my time you go do your own thing no and I think that's it people used to think self-care is like oh you need to take yourself off to a spa for a day or it was something a bit more extravagant and cost Mm -hmm. some money and was time but it's finding what works works for you I think as well for you know for people who who are listening to this your listeners they might be saying, well, that's all well and good, but I can't do that. I, I can't even get out of bed in the morning or I can't. Mm-hmm. My depression is this and this and this. I think if you just think about, look back at one happy moment, just focus on one happy moment in your life. What were you doing? What was special about it? For me, I did that. And, and that's why, where I found my woodworking because when I, I went back to my, my childhood, I, I used to really enjoy making things. And I looked at those happy memories then and all of a sudden, I thought, actually, I did have some nice, nice memories. 
but how do I do that now? Oh, I can't do this, I can't do that, because obviously the negativity comes in. I just thought, well, even if I only go into the garage and I put nail two pieces of wood together today, I'll do that. It becomes so much more. Now, that was that's me. For, for you, listeners, it might be something different. It could be something as simple as just saying, you know what, I'm okay. I like I like myself, and that can be hard enough as it is. And then going another step and just take it one step at a time. And if you if you go back twenty steps, well, not condemning yourself for that. I think that's what I found uh, helped me a lot. And and there is, and I I can say this now. I wouldn't have been able to say this over three years ago. There is a light at the end of the tunnel for you. It's there but it's you who have to get there. Yeah. Absolutely. And um, you said something earlier about taking it one step at a time and, and like getting out of bed and congratulating yourself and giving, and I think that's really important. And that's something that I teach to my clients is, you know, you need to be able to celebrate your small wins for sure, because, and, yeah. and those wins can be different for every person. So like just getting out of bed in the morning for somebody, that is a massive win. And to celebrate that and to congratulate yourself and then to say, okay, I've done it, congratulate yourself and then choose another step that you can try to do. And if you can only get out of bed and get to the sofa in, in, in one day, then that's, that's something really huge to celebrate, right? The next day you might get a little bit further. And I think we forget to celebrate our wins. We, we are a nation that, that doesn't like to praise ourselves so much. So I think that you were right when you were saying that I was listening and thinking, yeah, that's it's, it's key. That celebratory part is key because that kind of helps your mindset to start to think of the positive as well. One of the first steps of that celebration is, you know, when you get out of bed and you celebrate that, then doing like a power stand. In other words, you stand up, put, put yourself in a physical sort of mental state like superman or like mm -hmm. your superhero and go i am going to have the best day ever today and you don't have to say those words you can use whatever words you want but something positive like i'm gonna get dressed today i'm gonna go and i'm gonna wash my pots uh, today i'm gonna do this i'm gonna tidy myself today anything that's positive and then what you find is i tried that and then my positive was that. And then the next thing was my positive was what I did. And then before you knew it, your wins, you were recognising them, but you were getting more wins. And But you have to stop and sometimes reevaluate that because you sometimes forget how many wins you've had. I think just the little wins and being positive about those wins, as you said earlier, but also just having that power move in the morning, just a tiny little habit, it just helps. I think that's it though, isn't it? It's, it is about creating those small positive habits that then you can build on with those small steps each day to make that progress, which is fantastic. So tell us, where can we find out a little bit more about the original Woodshop? Where can we see your work? Both on Instagram and Facebook as the original Woodshop. Um, and we have um, a new website so it's a very interactive web website and that is beoriginalwoodshop.co.uk um, we're very passionate about 
mental health because it is something that has impacted our family so much. The other thing, and which is where the name comes from, when we were trying to rebrand and we were like thinking, what name is right for us? I love bees, a total bee, look after the bees person. That's something I just really enjoy learning about. But one of the phrases we always use when, but it applies to everybody, is be original, be you. You don't have to follow the crowd. And we're always saying just be original, be original. So so that's why we, we picked be original. Um, and it's be double E um, because it's just, that's what we're trying to, to do be our own selves, you know, and be true to you. Yeah, and celebrate yourself. And celebrate that. Yeah. Love it. Love it. So that was beoriginalwoodshop.co.uk. So go ahead and go and take a look and check the guys out. And also don't forget to come and search out and join the Love Thy Body Project community. You can find us over on Facebook and we will see you soon for our next episode. If you'd like to get in touch or find out how you can work with us, then just head on over to lovethybodyproject.com. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed the show. 